Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Good to be in God's house. We want to welcome you. We want to welcome those who are tuning in online. We are in... We just started our summer series that we are calling the original top 10. The original top 10, recognizing that there are people in general who, can really, who could readily recognize the top 10 bears, Bush, Michelob, and all that other stuff, or the top 10 you know, sports team. But if you ask them about the Ten Commandments, they can't tell you. Now, if you were here last week, you know the Ten Commandments. Come on, somebody. And if you weren't here last week or, or you didn't tune in last week, just go to our YouTube channel and tune in. And I promise you within 20, 25 minutes or less, you will know the Ten Commandments frontwards and backwards. Right? Amen? Amen. Amen. So, so I, I made you a promise. And that's what it is. You will know it. You won't ever have to be like, oh, no, I, I, I know some of them. I don't know all of them. No, you, you will know them all, frontwards and backwards. Right? And the problem, though, today, though, even if people do know the Ten Commandments, they, they treat it like it's the Ten Suggestions. You know what that means, right? It's just a suggestion that we do it or not. That's why we're having the problems we're having today in our society. More laws won't change what's happening until they adopt the 10 that we've already have. Come on, somebody. Amen. You know, the, what's number six? Thou shalt not, not kill. When they pull that out of the schools, well, guess what's happened? Something, nature abhors a vacuum. Something's going to fill that place. If you don't have an outline, let's get one to you. Raise your hand. Let's put one in your hand. Um, you can follow along. We have this cool thing called a QR code now. You can just put your little smartphone on it, and it will pull up, your, pull up today's outline digitally. So we encourage everyone to follow along that way. And so for those reasons, we're going over and we're spending time on the Ten Commandments uh, uh, this summer, Lord willing. And we're going to go over not just knowing them, but what they mean. Jesus was approached on his journeys, and he was asked, while he walked this earth, he was asked, what are the greatest of the commandments? What are the greatest of the commandments? And so he he responded, well, he said in Matthew 23, 34, let's look at the story. He said, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. And so they were constantly trying to trap Jesus to trip him up. But this was one of the questions. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Which is the most important one? And Jesus didn't even blink an eye. He replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And he says the entire law the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So what was Jesus doing? He was basically summarizing the Ten Commandments down to two. 
If you're having a hard time remembering 10, he says, let me just, let me summarize them down to two. If he, says, he says, if you love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, you're going to strive to, you're, you're going to strive to not put any other gods above him. Wait, what's the first commandment? You shall put no other gods above him. Because in truth, there are no other gods. Amen? It's all fake. Whatever other gods are out there, there are no other gods. There is only one. You're not going to create an idol and bow down and worship him. You, 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 you're going to, what, what's commandment number two? Now, let me just say this. I have a pet peeve about this, too. Get those things out of your house. There are some people who say, well, I don't worship it. It's decoration. Get them out of your house. You know those little Buddha statues that you walk into people's house and they've got them? They look like this or something like that. All right, get them out of your house. They, they have no business in your place. When I was in India, the, uh, uh, ministering and preaching the gospel, every house had multiple idols all over the place. I've never seen more idols in my life than I saw in India. Any idol, get them out of your house, amen? Now, recognizing that an idol doesn't have to be a graven image, amen? It can be anything you prioritize above God in your life. And if you're having trouble figuring out what that could be, I always tell people, just check your, your day timer, your calendar, and check your bank accounts. Whatever you spend your time and your money on the most is a good indication of what's probably the most important thing to you. I know a guy who, who used to come to church, he no longer comes anymore, uh, but he would never miss a hunting date at any point. And if you ask him what's going on, he claims that he gets in touch with his God, his God, while he's out there hunting in a tree stand. Now, I have no doubt, but my question to him would be, well, you better check to see if, if that's the little G God or big G God that you get in, in touch with. Because it just looks like you prioritize whatever you want to do. And then when you create a, a, a God in your own image, how, how many know that your God accepts everything you do? Yeah. People say this. Well, my God, my God would never, you know, send people to hell. I said, well, because your God doesn't exist, doesn't have the power to send people to hell. Okay? When you read the Bible, the Bible says God will send people to hell. Come on, somebody. The real God. I'm not talking about the one you made up in your head. And so there are people who make up their gods in their head, and, and lo and behold, their God accepts whatever things they do. Whatever sin that they do, he accepts it. Whatever, they, whatever pastime they do, he accepts it. Because it's an imaginary God, they've made it up in their own mind. We better check to make sure that it's the big G God, not the little G God. Because the same God who said, have no other gods before me, he also said no graven images. He also said, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Didn't he say that? What number is that? Four. Number four. Somebody was paying attention last week. Hebrews chapter 10, and the New Testament even verifies this. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, he says, Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. What's the day approaching he's referring to? Someone say the coming of the Lord. Say he's coming back. Say we're closer than we ever been. Jesus is coming back, and he says, knowing that he's coming back, all the more reason that we should not be dispersing, but we should be gathering together because he's in the midst of those who gather together. Amen? Amen. The Bible says, two or more gathered in my name, there he is in our midst. So the Spirit of the Lord is here. 
So you can pretty much make anything an idol in your life. You can make your hobbies an idol. You can make money or material things. You can make people an idol. We'll touch on a little bit on that today. But again, if you love God with all your heart, with all your soul and your mind, you will not have idols in your life. You'll allow the Holy Spirit to identify them, and you will start to remove them. Then you won't take the Lord's name in vain. What's, what, what, what commandment is that? Three. Number three, using, using his name like a common curse word. It's hard to even listen to movies today because everybody's that's what they do, GD this or, or Jesus that or something along those lines. And I always say, Lord, forgive them. Lord, forgive them. Because it just it, it, it irritates my spirit to, to take God's name and to use it like a common curse word. You, you'll stop doing that. And so mo, I, 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 most preachers would put the fifth commandment in the, in the, in the, in the second category, the love your neighbor as your as yourself or, or how we treat people. Jesus said to love God with all your heart or soul your mind and to love your, your neighbor as yourself. But I kind of put it in, that, in the first category as to loving God because my question always is this. Who chose your parents for you? What, what's the fifth commandment? Honor your father. Honor your father. Who, cho- who chose your parents for you? Did you choose them? No, God did. And so to, to me, to, to the extent that you mistreat your parents, you know, you're also, it's a slide against the God who chose your parents for you. Does that, does that make sense? And so honor your father, in my opinion, goes in that first. And that's the only one that comes with a promise. It says, so that your days may be long in the land. Honor your father and mother so that your days may be long in the land, which, give, which means to me that God is watching and he's taking note because the opposite must be true then too. If you start to dishonor them, then maybe your days won't be long in the land. Who's the one that's going to judge that? Someone say God. We'll have more to say about that. But if you're still having trouble with all the commandments, when you're done with this series, I'm going to say it's okay to remember what Jesus said was the greatest of the commandments. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy soul, thy mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Love God and to love people. Amen? Amen. Love God and love people. The title of this morning's message is First Means First. First Means First. And it's based on those first two commandments given, given to the Hebrew children through Moses in the book of Exodus. Exodus 23 and 4 says, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourselves an image in, in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. And it goes on to say in, in verse 5, it says, You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. And so the first one I had you remember, I, I, I gave you a little pencil. You remember that? And take that little pencil and write big G. Oh, oh, can we go ahead and put up that image up there? Just remember the pencil. Big G and then, oh, and then a line and then little G, little G underneath. Thou shalt have no other gods above me. And, and, I, and I'm happy to say that uh, number two was... What, what was number Who was it? Who said? Fifi, Fifi, Fifi. We had a Fifi sighting over the last week. Can we look at that? 
that's, that's my grandson. He, 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 he's on top of Fifi right there. And so we know what number two is, that you shall have no graven images uh, to bow down and worship them. So practically, what does that mean? What's the result of us doing that? If you're going to if you're going to have no other gods before him and you're not going to have any other graven images, no idols in your life, it means, I want you to write this down, that you're going to make God a priority in your life. He's going to be numero uno in your life. And that means daily you're going to make a decision that he's going to be at that top spot. Now, Jesus said it like this in Matthew 6, 24. He says, no one can serve two masters. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And mammon was a borrowed word from Aramaic language in the time of Jesus and the early church, and it was also used by the early Jewish settlers in the community near the Dead Sea, and it refers to you cannot serve wealth or property or material things. It's the personification of a rival to God. In other words, he was testing, he was letting them know that as far as their loyalty is concerned, he's basically asking the question, to which master will you be obedient to? Will you be obedient to God? Or will you be obedient to, and, and, and as, it gone through the, as it's gone through the ages, and the, the medieval writers commonly interpreted it as a demon or, or a devil, a, a type of demon. You cannot serve God and the devil. You cannot serve God and material things. One, you'll either love one and despise the other. You, you'll cling to one and, and, and you'll reject the other one. But you cannot, go, you cannot go in two different directions at the same time. You're going to have to choose. Jesus made a further point in Luke chapter 9. He says, then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross. Help me out, somebody. On the daily, on the daily, not just Sundays or Wednesdays, but on the daily, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, he says, will save it. And then he made this profound statement. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and in the end he's lost? Now think about that for a moment. Think about all the things the world and the love of the world will have us chasing after in our lives. And let's say that all those things you, you miraculously come ac across, you achieve every single one of them. You're at, the, you're at the top of your list in terms of the amount of money you made. You're living in the biggest house. You're living, your career is just taking off. In fact, you're the, you're the goat of your career. You know what the goat means today? Oh, say it again. The greatest of all time. You are the goat. You are the greatest of all time in whatever you're doing, whether it's teaching or whether you're an engineer or whether you're a police officer, whatever it is, you are the greatest. So Jesus is saying, so now you're at the top of that hill. What does it matter if you've chased down every single one of your dreams and idols? Can any of those things save you in the end? Come on, somebody. You, you, you end up as the, the goat. If you do this apart from Christ, you end up as the goat who goes to hell. 
the greatest of all time who ends up the greatest basketball player, the greatest whatever, but you still end up in hell. Now, I didn't say this. Jesus said this in the parable of the sheep and the goats. He said in Matthew chapter 25, verse 31, he says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. This is when Jesus re returns. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a sheep separates, as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And to the sheep, those who obeyed him in this life, he makes this statement in verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. That's an incredible message given to those who obey him. Those are the sheep. But to the goats, <laughs> those who followed after other things, those who were too busy for Jesus, those who didn't make him a priority in his life. This is what he said, verse 41. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Come on, somebody. Amen. So the sheep get this amazing reward, a, a, an eternal reward, and the goats, well, the goats go to hell. Now, Go back and read that entire chapter when you get a chance to make sure I wasn't making all that stuff up. It's worth the read. But my admonition to you who are here today and those who are listening online is be careful of what you're chasing. Be careful of what you're chasing, especially if it's the greatest of all time apart from the knowledge of Jesus. What does it matter, he says, if you gain the whole world, but in the end you lose your soul? He's telling you, you've aimed too low, you've hit your target, and you're going to regret the results of hitting your target if you do not include Jesus in your big picture. Does that make sense? In other words, we have to make a, a decision, a choice, a daily choice. Same choice that Joshua gave to the people of Israel when they stood at the crossroad in their lives. He said in Joshua chapter 24, he says, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods, little g, your ancestors worshiped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods, G, little g, your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, or the gods of the Amorites, little g, in whose land you are living. But then he made this profound statement. He said, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Come on, somebody. Now, now what was, G, what was Joshua saying? He was saying, I'm not just speaking for me. I'm speaking for me and my entire household. Listen, before you say amen, let me tell you what Deb and I did when, with our household as our kids were growing up. If you lived in our house on Sunday mornings, we went to church. Everybody went to church. All the ki four kids pack up the van. I don't feel like it today. 
it's not an option. We are going to church. Now, as they got older and they moved out of our house, listen, that's not, that's not my household anymore. Now you have your own household. Now it's between you and God. Come on, somebody. But while you're living with me and us, we're making God a priority in our house, and it's a choice. When friends and family came down to visit, when Sunday morning came around, guess what we all did? We went to church. But pastor, pastor, what if they have plans? Well, are they staying at a hotel? Or are they staying at your house? Hello. If they're staying at your home, me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. If you're staying at a hotel, we meet you after church. That's how it worked. For years and years and years in our household. If you're in our house, we are going to church. And that's a pet peeve of mine for so many, so many of you over the years. Pray for so-and-so. Pray for them. Pray for them. I've been praying for my relative all these years. And then all of a sudden they come down to visit you. And it's an opportunity to bring them to church and to get them before the gospel. And where are you? You're at the Fort Lauderdale Beach. Pompano Beach. Go to the beach afterwards. Let them know that me and you and your household will serve the Lord. Does that make sense? If we took people in, which Deb and I did from time to time, to help them get back on their feet, we've done that. On Sundays, we were in church. Yeah, everyone's getting up and going to church. Practice making God a priority in your home. Make that declaration your declaration. As for me and my house, some of you, you show up here and you got small children. Where are your kids? Well, they, they slept in today. Why? You're here, your kids aren't. And the older they get, the harder it's going to be to get them to come. You hear what I'm saying? When they're 15, 16, 17 years old, the horse is already out of the barn. you got to start when they're small. Guess what we do on Sundays? We prioritize the presence of God in this house. And we make a habit of going to church. Amen? Now let me tell you why. When you prioritize God in your life, he gives us four promises. Four promises that go out to every single one of us. The first we can see in their response to Joshua when he made the de declaration, choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. The people's response, verse 16, the people answered, far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. It was the Lord our God himself who brought us, brought us and our parents up out of Egypt from that land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes, he, 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 he did what? He did what? He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. 
And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites, who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. Can, can I get a witness out here anywhere? One of the things God does for us is his protection. Can you say that God has protected you from anything through in this life? Yes, you can. God has directed and protected you through this life. The reason they said, yes, we're going to follow too, is they looked back, and it wasn't very long that they had to go back. You pulled us out of bondage. You took us out of Egypt. You you protected us from the Amorites and 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 all the Zites that are out there. No, of course we're going to follow God. God's protection is one of the benefits, one of the promises that when we prioritize him, that will come our way. Amen? Now, this doesn't mean that you won't have problems in this life or oppositions. But I guarantee whatever comes your way has to go through God first before he allows it to touch you. And if it does touch you or yours, listen to me. There will be a purpose in the pain. He he will use it for your good and his glory. Come on, somebody. I didn't say it. Romans 8.28 says it. And this is a good one to memorize. He says, and we know that God causes, help me, somebody, everything to do what? To work together for what? For the good of those who love God. Anyone not ashamed to say they love God today? If you love them, put your hands up. Come on, somebody. So this is applying to you. He's saying... And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God, talking about you, and are called according to his purpose for them. In other words, you're on the same agenda as him. You are prioritizing him in your life. You're taking the first and the second commandments and you're applying it to your life. Listen to me. I may not understand what I'm going through at the time. I may not even agree with it. But I know in the end, it's going to work out for my good and for his glory. Turn to somebody and say, God is working it out. He's working it out. Know that. He's working it out. Now, it doesn't stop there. When we make him a priority, not only does he give us his protection, he gives us his power. Write that down. 1 Kings chapter 18. I love this story because it was a time in Israel's history where the government was against the things of God. It almost sounds familiar to what's happening in the world today. But the government and its establishments were against the, what, the, what God was trying to do. And King Ahab was angry at the prophet of God because he kept saying the opposite of whatever he was saying. So God raised up a man who was trying to get them back on track, but the government of the king and his, and his evil wife Jezebel were constantly fighting against him. And when Ahab saw him, he exclaimed, so it is, it is really you, you troublemaker of Israel. I have made no trouble for Israel, said Elijah replied. You and your family are the troublemakers, for, for you have refused to obey the commandments, the commands of the Lord, and have worshipped the images of Baal instead. Now... Summon all Israel to join me at Mount Carmel along with the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who are supported by Jezebel, that was his evil wife. And so Ahab summoned all the people of Israel and the prophets prophets to Mount Carmel. 
Then Elijah stood in front of them and said, how much longer will you waver, hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is your God, follow him. But if Baal is your God, then follow him. But the people were completely silent. <laughs> the people were completely silent. And so he gathered everybody before him before Kama, and he made this declaration to the millions of people. If, 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 if the Lord is your God, how, much are you gonna, how long are you going to continue to waver between two opinions? If the Lord is your God, follow him. If Baal is your God, follow him. And the people were silent. And that's the problem with the church today. We don't have enough to say about what's going on. And the reason they were silent, because they were caught up in the political system. If they said something, the king and Jezebel might hear it and cancel them. Come on, somebody. It might cost them their job. Or in, their, their, in that situation, it might cost them their, their, their lives. And so they figured, let me just be politically correct. <laughs> Maybe I agree with, with, with uh, the prophet, but the king and the evil, they're in charge, so I'm just going to keep quiet. Folks, we're getting to a place where keeping quiet is no longer going to be an option. It's no longer going to be healthy for the church. Because as the things get darker in this world, God expects a light to shine. And not a light of compromise either. Not a light that says, you know what, I'm too afraid of what they're going to say or what they're going to do to me. God's expecting us to stand up for such a time as now. This is the reason why you're on this planet today. For such a time as now, I believe God chose his best for last. That's what I'm thinking. Amen. 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 And so, but they were quiet. And so Elijah issued a challenge. Then Elijah said to them, I'm the only one prophet of the Lord who is left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Now bring two bulls. The prophets of Baal may choose whichever one they wish and cut it into pieces and lay it on the wood of their altar, but without setting fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood on, on the altar, but not set fire to it. Then call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by setting fire to wood is the true God. And all the people agreed. Okay, this is cool. You got 450. We got two bowls. Set up your altar. The God who answers by fire is the true God. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, you go first, for there are many of you. Choose one of the bowls and prepare it and call on the name of your God. But do not set fire to the wood. So they prepared one of the bowls. They placed it on the altar. Then they called on the name of Baal. Listen. From morning until noontime, hours, they're calling on their God, shouting, Oh, Baal, answer us. But there was no reply of any kind. Then they danced, hobbling around the altar that they made. About noontime, Elijah began mocking them. You'll have to shout louder, he scoffed, for surely he is a God. Perhaps he's daydreaming, or is he relieving himself? Maybe he's in the bathroom. <laughs> or maybe he's away on a trip or he's asleep and he needs to be waking up. <laughs> so they shouted louder and following their normal customs. Listen, they cut themselves with knives and swords until the blood gushed out. Always associated with demonic activity, by the way. That cutting, that's not God, okay? 
They raved all afternoon until the time of the evening sacrifice, but still there was no sound, no reply, no response. Then Elijah called to the people, come on over. They all crowded around him as he, as he repaired the altar of the Lord that, that had been torn down. He took 12 stones, one to represent each of the tribes of Israel, and he used the stones to rebuild the altar in the name of the Lord. Then he dug a trench, listen, around the altar large enough to hold about three gallons of water. He piled wood on the altar, cut the bull into pieces, and laid the pieces of, on the wood. Then he said, fill four large jars with water and pour the water over the offering on the wood. So he's pouring water on the wood. After they had done this, he said, do the same thing again. And when they were finished, he said, now do it a third time. So they did as he said, and the water ran around the altar and even filled the trench that he dug. At the usual time for the offering, the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and he prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all this at your command. O Lord, answer me. Answer me so that these people will know that you, are, you, O Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. Verse 38. Immediately, someone say immediately. immediately. Not all day, not all day and into the evening. Immediately, the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven. Watch this. Burnt up the young bull, the wood, the stones, the dust. It even licked up all the water in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell down on their face and they cried out, the Lord, he is God. Yes, the Lord is God. And then Elijah commanded, seize all the prophets of Baal. Don't let a single one escape. So, so the people seized them all, and Elijah took them down to the Kishon Valley and killed them there. Now listen to me. What a mighty demonstration of God's power. Amen? Now here's the thing. What have you been trusting in? to bring victories in your life. No, it may not be Baal or an idol like I saw all over, all over uh, India. But as I said at the beginning of this message, you can make anything an idol in your life. You could, you, 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 anything you prioritize above the knowledge of God, of, of who he is in your life. It could be your efforts, your intellect, your resources. What are you trusting in besides the power of God. You remember when David was facing his giant? I was in the car with my kids, my grandkids, earlier this week, and uh, my, my daughter couldn't get them from school, I, the last day of school, so I went to go pick them up. And so we were having a grand old time. We, we're going to go to, to um, uh, Burger King. We're going to hang out. And so they started playing a game, Lucas and Christopher, in the back of the car. And they were playing a game of what, an animal could beat another animal. And they started talking about sharks. Can the green shark beat the mako shark? Can the mako shark beat the great white shark? And they were answering back, what do you say, Grandpa? What do you say? I said, no, the great white can certainly take the, the, take the, the green shark and all this other stuff. We're going back and forth. So I figured, I figured you know, I'm going to turn, turn it because they were basically saying the bigger one was always going to win over the little one. I said, what, what if it's not about sharks? What if it's, what if it's about David and Goliath? 
And Lucas, Lucas popped in. My, my, one, of, one of my grandkids, the youngest of the two, he said, oh, that's easy. That's David all the way because he fought Goliath not in his own strength, but he fought him in the strength of God. What? What? First grade. I looked back. I said, preach, Lucas. Preach. <laughs> First Samuel 17, 45. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. The God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied, he went on to say, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Folks, the question isn't how big or how many are the problems or devils coming in your life. Because the answer to all of that is, how big is your God? Amen. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Amen. Come on, somebody. We serve a big God, amen? amen. We serve a powerful God. Amen. And we have the privilege, the scripture says, to come boldly into his throne room of grace. And it says we can ask him for anything, and he will hear us. And so we have the privilege. Whatever's going on in your life, trust. As you make God a priority, trust in his power in your life his power and his protection. Now let me give you a third one. He also promises his provision. Jesus said that in Matthew 6, 33. But seek, help me out somebody. Seek what? Seek ye second the kingdom. Come on somebody. After you've exhausted everything else. Come on somebody, help me out. What does it say? It says seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be, all these things all these things will be added unto you. And so the things, it sounds like a conditional promise, but does Jesus tell lies? Say no. He gave us a, a, a statement here. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. But it's conditional. It's putting them first. And first means first. Someone say first means first. And then you can go back to that statement and ask, you know, go back to that chapter in Matthew 6 and, and, and verify what things Jesus was talking about. In Matthew 6, 31, he says, don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? What will we put in our car? God, God help us in, in terms of gas. Don't say that I'm reading that in there. I'm just, I'm just saying this. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows. Help me out, somebody. What? What? Does he know all your needs? That's what it says, right? He knows all your needs. He knows. And so whatever's going on in the economy, and I'm not going to say it's not bad, it's bad. All right? But for the believer, we are not in this by ourselves. Amen. But it comes with a conditional promise. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And first means first. That means you're going to prioritize him. You're going to take the first and second commandment. You're going to elevate that in your life. And he says, if you make me a priority, I will make you a priority. And all these things are the same things that everybody else are looking for. Clothes, roof over the head, food, money, Gas, 
I mean, God, he says, he says, I don't want you to do, well, it literally says, I don't want you to, to, to act like the, the pagans because they don't understand that they have a father in heaven. We have a father in heaven who knows exactly what we need. Does that make sense? But we got to make him a priority. And then lastly, when we put first things first, we will experience his peace. His peace. In Luke chapter 10, verse 38, it says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And so she came to him and he asked and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And I love Jesus' response. Now listen, I understand the, the scenario. It says Jesus and his disciples were passing through town. And they ended up at Martha's house. And in the process of ending up at Martha's and, and Mary, Martha and Mary were sisters, Martha's in the kitchen working and preparing and making sure that everything is perfect. And Mary sat down. And she didn't sit down in the back. <laughs> she found where Jesus was. And she sat at his feet. And, and Martha was getting so upset at Mary and Jesus that in the middle of his teaching, she goes and interrupts him and says, don't you care that my sister's sitting there? Tell her to come and help me. <laughs> and Jesus' response, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. But only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. My question to you this morning is, what's got you worked up? What's got you worried and upset? Is it something going on at your work? Something going on at home? With your kids? Jesus says, really, only one thing matters. The solution is to choose to make Christ a priority in our lives at every, at all times. Amen? Amen. Because he's the one that can do, do something about it. When we make him a priority in our lives, when we um, sit at the feet of Jesus on a daily, he gives us a promise we will experience his protection, his power, provision, but we will also experience his peace because really only one thing matters. The Bible says that Jesus is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Listen, he invites us all to his table and he promises a blessing for those who come. You may end up as the goat in this lifetime, the greatest of all time. But the goat in the Bible, the goats in the Bible, don't make it into heaven. It's the sheep. The difference between the sheep and the goat, the sheep heard the voice of the master, and they followed him, and they did what he said. The goats did their own thing. 
It's a choice. It's the same choice that's been going since the Old Testament. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Into the New Testament, when he told us about the goats and the sheep, and 2,000 years later, it's still the same choice. Are we going to prioritize our own agenda? Are we going to allow idols to become part of our own lives? And in this country, you know, we may not have what's going on in India, but anything you prioritize above God in your life is a potential idol. Check your heart. Check your heart. I know I'm preaching to the choir because you guys are here pretty much every week. And I'm also talking to those who are online. Check your heart. Check your heart. Because to the ones who make God a priority in their lives, there's protection, there's promises, there's provision, there's his power, and there's his peace. And he offers that to every single one of us. And it starts with accepting Jesus as your Savior and your Lord. Does that make sense? So as we come to a close, I don't want you to leave because we're also going to um, recognize our graduating students at the end of the service. We want to celebrate with them. It won't take long. But as we come to the end of the service today, if you've not yet accepted Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, Bible says today if you hear my voice don't harden your heart if he's calling you today respond today ask him to be our, to ask him to come into your life and to be Lord of your life my pastor used to say if God is not Lord of all he's not Lord at all so if there's anything else you cannot serve God and mammon tell you things. You cannot serve two masters. A long time ago I decided I've got one master. His name is Jesus. By the grace of God. I'm not talking about doing this thing perfectly. It's only by God's grace. By grace we are saved through faith and that's not of ourselves. It's a gift. But we we accept it by gift. I mean by grace. We walk in grace. When we stand before God it's going to be by his grace. Does that make sense? But you have to say, I want him in my life. If you've not yet done that, let's do that right now. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Say something like this. Heavenly Father, I come before you today and I acknowledge, I acknowledge that I need a Savior. You said, what does it matter if, to gain, if I gain the whole world, but in the end lose my soul? For what can I give in exchange for my soul? Nothing. But you gave your life for my soul. And I accept that gift. Forgive me for my sins. Come into my life. Come into my heart. Help me to make you a priority in every area of my life. Thank you for dying on the cross. Three days later, rising again. And because you live, I shall live as well. Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. And everyone said amen, right? If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we want to we want to encourage you that there's a um, welcome uh, thing in your in your pew. Uh, let's get acquainted. Take that out, fill it out. Say I prayed to receive Jesus. I recommitted my life to Jesus. 
take it to the Welcome Center, turn that thing in, all right? Um, Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.